Find that bar of chocolate you've been hiding. It's time to unwrap this week's Coco News. AXA SA, a French insurance and financial services company based in Paris, and NGSA, an energy company, is co-investing 500 million US dollar over the next six years in an agroforestry startup that will produce sustainable cocoa and coffee. Over the last year in particular, green investments have become a hot area for financiers, but a few things about this deal caught my attention. First among them was the fact that an insurance company was partnering with an energy company to get into cocoa and coffee production. The second peculiarity was the nature of the investment. Instead of a straightforward cash-for-equity deal, the two principal investors are able to secure in advance profitable carbon credit offtake agreements. The founders estimate that the shared wood will generate 40 million tons of these high-quality carbon credits over the next 20 years. The certification process will be carried out by a number of firms including TUV Rhineland AG, ERM, DNVGL Limited and EY. This is where it gets clever. Bankers have higher demand for carbon credits than they can supply, so effectively, what they are doing is getting into the business to create a supply for the demand that they already have. The founders of the Sharedwood company have the job to run the project and keep the process compliant so the carbon credits will meet what will likely be more stringent, emerging criteria. The three founders behind the company have conservation at the heart of the project, one of them, Juan Carlos Gonzalez Ibar, spoke to Bloomberg and explained. It's not the jaguars or the elephants that deforest, it's people, and mainly it's because of rural poverty, it's a strategy where you have protection and production. The company plans to create as many as eight projects in Africa and Latin America. Each project will comprise elements of reforestation, conservation and build sustainable agricultural practices. Any cocoa or coffee produced will be purchased at an agreed price by the company from the farmers, giving them security and a living income. Climate 42, the consultancy which specializes in providing insights into West African cocoa production, has teamed up with Bartalks to provide data and commentary for our readers. Nick Basket, editor-in-chief at Bartalks, said. I've always been a subscriber to Climate42's newsletter, and a fan of the data and knowledge the team brings. It's been one of my secret weapons when writing articles on production forecasts, and I'm delighted that we can now share this with the wider community. Under the menu, Markets and Data, you'll now find a Climate News menu. The dedicated page contains information and charts that are regularly updated and are accessible without cost to our readers. Charles Werner, Business Development Manager at Climate42 commented. We are very pleased to be teaming up with Bartalks to provide you with fresh commentary on Coco Climate News happening in West Africa. Each week, you will have a new exclusive chart and commentary that will give you insight into how the current climate is shaping up to affect the production of cocoa in a specific region. Check out this week's data and commentary. Charles concluded. Climate 42 specializes in the scientific analysis and commentary of climate and cocoa agronomy. Our regular reports help you better grasp the importance of weather in the cocoa plant's production process, and we look forward to sharing this journey with you. Cocoa exporters are increasingly moving their beans through Nigeria's Calabar port, as prolonged congestion at the Lagos seaports continues. 
The port is normally associated with ferrying passengers short distances by boat to nearby areas, including neighboring Cameroon. The Vanguard Maritime Report has recently observed that the passengers on some of these boats are sharing the journey with containers of cocoa beans reportedly, a total of 80 containers have been loaded through the Calabar port so far. Of these, three passenger boats loaded with a mix of passengers and cargo have departed from the National Inland Waterways Authority jetty and Hudson jetty in Calabar since February 15. It is unclear if this is in breach of safety regulations, and we fear for passenger boats being overloaded. Financial Burden of Delays President of the Cocoa Farmers Association Nigeria, CFAN, Comrade Odeola Adigok, reacted to the news, claiming that the move to the eastern port was necessary for some exporters in order to meet delivery timelines and reduce delays to their international customers. Adigok does not seem surprised by the development, stating, if you are observant, you would have been aware that a lot of exporters have been complaining about the congestion in the Lagos ports in the past two years or so. In September 2021, Vanguard reported on 6,000 abandoned containers across ports in Nigeria, with Lagos holding most of them. The delays are costly to exporters, bringing great financial losses as cocoa beans can spend up to two months sitting in ports, waiting to be shipped. It should come as no surprise then, that cocoa exporters are looking for alternative locations to ship their beans from. This is exactly what is happening in the meeting with signed contracts between exporters and their clients abroad, says Adigok. He continued, this development has caused a lot of financial burden on exporters and led to extra cost for the exportation of cocoa. This has also made some of our exporters move to Calabar port and they have gotten the necessary approval, which has also led to massive shipment of cocoa beans through Calabar. It is not clear when the congestion at Lagos will be resolved, and they are not alone in the problem. Ports worldwide were disrupted during the pandemic, and combined with the increased demand for goods, have led to a backlog that has been stubbornly persisting. Using the Calabar port could be a necessary step for exporters to continue operations with minimal financial loss. But we do hope that corners are not being cut, and lives put at risk on overloaded boats that were not built for the purpose for which they are now employed. Côte d'Ivoire went into the dry season full of optimism, as the rains had been generous to them. But like the earth supporting the cocoa plants, the good feelings have all but dried up. Climate 42 offers a useful sentiment meter that indicates how much positivity there is around West African cocoa production, and currently, the meter has swung decidedly into the red. It's not just Côte d'Ivoire, but Nigeria and Cameroon are also bracing themselves for a difficult season ahead as this year's Harmattan has been unforgiving. A substantial rainfall is now needed across the region if April's mid-crop is to have a chance to produce a good harvest. Currently, that is looking unlikely. The price of cocoa is up slightly, although not as much as we might expect, and this might be due to external geopolitical factors. Reuters interviewed Jules Atopka, a farmer from near Bongwenu. It is getting hotter and hotter. If there are no good rains quickly, the mid-crop will start late, Atopka lamented. It won't just be a late start however, but without rain soon, 
the bean size will not develop and the quality of the crop will suffer, negatively impacting prices. Meanwhile, the main cocoa-growing region of Subra saw no rainfall last week and average daytime temperatures were between 27.7 and 32.1 degrees Celsius last week. Liberia, whose economy is predominantly reliant on exports of rubber, identified cocoa as a national priority for diversifying sources of income for the country. The significance of the commodity to the country's economy was highlighted in the Liberia National Export Strategy 2014-2018. Edward Brown, African Centre for Economic Transformation, ACET, Senior Director of Research, Policy and Programs, believes that a closer look at how the regional value chain interacts with the country's policies and regulations is required. Unlike its neighboring West African nations, Liberia is not known for its cocoa exports. Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire produce almost two-thirds of world cocoa, Liberia's cocoa development would further augment that percentage, claims Brown. He continues, there is the need to look at how we situate the Liberian cocoa production, policy and industry to ensure that they have the maximum benefit from the experiences of other countries. Jachui Lawaji, the Cooperation Officer for Agricultural Development and Food Security at the European Union, holds a similar stance. The European Union has a keen interest in investing in Liberia's cocoa sector because we believe it has the potential to be one of the several success stories for Liberia's development. An integrated approach across the cocoa value chain would go a long way in achieving this. There are many challenges facing Liberia's cocoa sector at present however, from inadequate finances and a lack of modern equipment to subpar production methods that result in improper fermentation and drying and failure to renew old diseased trees. To begin to address the issues, ACET and USAID have begun discussions on the regional collaboration on overcoming binding constraints on the growth of Liberia's cocoa value chain. The Government of Liberia and the International Fund for Agricultural Development have received $23 million in financing to increase cocoa production, particularly focusing on Nimba County. This additional aid is expected to boost the country's cocoa production to over 10,000 metric tons. The sustainable cocoa sector in Liberia has three main focuses, investments and cocoa marketing, sustainable production and quality control, and environment and climate change. The Liberian Economic Policy Dialogue Activity, LAPTA, project aims to provide technical assistance, capacity development and grants to the areas that need it, in order to promote economic expansion through private sector investment in Liberia. The project, led by Nathan Associate, together with the Government of Liberia and civil society organizations, CSOs, brought together key individuals in Liberia's cocoa sector to discuss how they would shape and enhance the country's cocoa industry. The CSOs will carry out an analysis of the political economy and a cocoa value chain study as part of their capacity development operations, leading to policy dialogue and ultimately the development of Liberia's cocoa policy. A critical aspect of this process is a comparison of similar cocoa-producing economies, such as Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire, both of whom currently hold a partnership. 
Thanks for listening to this week's Coco Newscast. You can also catch our other podcasts, including the Coffee Newscast and the popular Bean Talks with Nick and Max, which goes out every Monday. Stay safe, and I'll see you all next week.